1: Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water. Many years ago, I found myself very much involved in trying to understand what is happening to the globe and what is the life of our planet. Well, it's only one answer, only one uh, one thing to think about, water, W-A-T-E-R, water. It's been there since the beginning of time, and what has happened to all of us, we started taking it for granted. We're not going to any longer. We're going to change that. It has to. It's at a time of the word crisis, and I know the word crisis has been overstated with many things that are happening today with uh, the communications and the information that we receive on so many subjects, but there's only one one possible life on Earth that we should be considering to be the number one priority is water, fresh water. Now, before we begin the show, I need, I need you to think about this. Search, is the, world, is the world having a water crisis? Look that up. The other category is when you get over to the World Water Crisis, you will learn that in those, that statistic, you're going to learn more about what is happening. And it is not overstating what we need to learn. Now, the Power of Water radio talk show that is syndicated get your friends to listen to to the guests, because for seven years now, we've had so many guests that not one is arguing about the subject of water. Not one. Everyone globally is saying, yes, they know about it. There's a new organization that I'm going to be participating with called Women in Water Partnerships. It began out of the country of Holland. Does that make sense because they've had problems with water for so long? Because they're below the sea level. So way back in time, they made their government surround the concern of water. Other countries of the world have learned the hard way, the more challenging way, water. And that's one of the reasons that our uh, countries like in France and Switzerland and Germany and different countries England started water to drink businesses way before the United States of America because they found that there was bad water and they needed to drink water so they started businesses for drinking the water so you can purchase your water if you don't have safe drinking water now this is one of the reasons you have to think about it your body is made up of a lot of water. Let's say you're a person that weighs around 176 pounds. Your body is equal. The body is equal to eight cases of standard size bottled water. And you have to exist with that. You can't lower that water table. And what's happening with our own aquifers and Earth? We're lowering the water table of Earth's uh, not reason Earth life. Below that surface is aquifers. The soil on the surface is telling you the story. And that's why you need to learn more about what technology is learning to do to deal with the soil. Because the soil has changed. Now, is it our fault? Yes. Modern man, modern life decided to not find it that serious that water was not going to be a, an ongoing study of technology, and we forgot about it. Not everybody forgot about it, but it has, it's not a number one priority. It's got to become a priority. Your body is made up of this your lungs are 90% water, blood is 82% water, skin is 80% water, muscles are 75% water. Brain is 70% water, bones 22% water. So what, why, what is your reason, for, what is your life to live? Water internally. And one of our guests, Dr. Uh, Gerald Pollack, uh, who is a PhD at the University of Washington, told us in the last show that inside that body that you operate with is vital. And they found a fourth water that has a relationship with the atmosphere, that you're living with, that atmosphere is water. It's humidity. You would not be alive once you were born in that delivery room and you left that pocket of water with that healthy atmosphere. No two eyes alike. No two fingerprints alike. DNA is different. And listen to that show that we had with Dr. Gerald Pollock. You will learn so much about what they're learning out there. And Nobel Prize winners and the future of what they're wanting to learn about what's happening to the body water of the human life and the water table of our planet. Today we have a very special guest, and I always enjoy having him on. He's been on off and on when he finds that moment for us, Dr. Dwayne Cecil, Ph.D. He's been an advisor to NOAA. He's been with NASA for many years. He's he's been in global science and technology. Uh, he is involved in climate uh, he can teach us about climate, water, atmosphere and i've been calling dr Cecil an atmospheric scientist because he joined us and that's one of the uh, topics that i really like is what can we do to learn more about our relationship with the atmosphere we're going to listen to our sponsor nature's tears i mist first nature's tears i mist is a product out there going into china here soon uh, and into the Middle East and it's in Canada, but the, the, the technology of the handheld portable device to be able to supplement the eyes, the breathing passages for humidifying is exciting, and it's a must. We need to learn to supplement our everyday breath of life with the humidity, the atmosphere. We'll listen to our sponsor with Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil.
3: All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores stores near you.
1: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com that's Sharon Kleina Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to
4: the program.
2: Dr. Cecil, are you with us? I'm here. Well, thank you for joining us again. I know how busy you are, but thank I'm you for always excited me. to have you on. And uh, what we're, we're getting, so, uh, so many of our guests have really been teaching us what you've been trying to teach us for so long about water and this planet, and uh, of course, my field, the dehydration of the body. Uh, to our life passing away to death, it's vital to the planet Earth to also live, and we want it to live for eternity. And uh, tell us a little bit about your past and what you've done, and where you're, where, why you're
4: where you're at today. Okay, well, I started my uh, science career about forty years ago as a hydrologist with the U.S. Geological Survey, uh, looking at groundwater resources and. And human impacts on groundwater resources, and, and really was struck by how we, as a, as a species, are literally mining the groundwater and not replenishing it. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that. And I move, move from from looking at groundwater resources to looking at, at glacial resources and climate change signals, and and uh, anthropogenic uh, human induced pollution signals in, in glacial ice, and. Then moved to remote sensing and worked with uh, NASA's Applied Sciences Program at NASA's headquarters and and ended my federal career as the Western Region Climate Services Director for NOAA. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And that was about three years ago. And uh, the last three years, I've been in the private sector working for a small meteorological and climatological services company called Global Science and Technology Mm -hmm. on a support contract at the National Climatic Data Center in Asheville, North Carolina, which is which is NOAA. so the career has really been looking at, at water in many forms, frozen in ice and glaciers, to groundwater beneath our feet and surface water and, and atmospheric water as well through remote sensing and now, satellite. You've joined
2: a lot of organizations that are also part of your um, mission uh, to do, uh, some of the organizations that you've been involved with with, with the United Nations and many different um, groups. Other than your professional side of you, you've been professionally involved with uh, some global groups.
4: That's correct. I've been, uh, been involved with the Global Climate Observing System, which which it works out of the United Nations office in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, and, and also been, uh, over the years, involved in a lot of work with a group on, on Earth Observations and the Committee on Earth Observation Satellites. And all these groups are, are working toward the same thing, trying to better understand the processes that are happening at the surface of the Earth mm-hmm. and in the atmosphere, and the in the interactions between those processes over oceans and over over land, and how it affects our, our climate and availability of water and local weather patterns, and and it's all really interconnected. And so these organizations right. are, are all look at are looking at the same thing, trying to better understand the processes that um, the, the Earth uses to regulate the the energy and the energy balance in the atmosphere, the surface of the and earth. It's
2: technology and how exciting. You know, Dr. Cecil, uh, way back in time, I, I, I brought this up to about him before uh, on the show, but Andrew Sherman and his book about technology and intellectual property and technology gatherings and throughout the world. And he, we were talking where water was really a term, a technology to begin with the beginning of a technology because you had to move it here to get it there. You had to figure out technically how you are going to get it where you needed to go with it and where, where its values are. And water has been studied for so long, and yet here we sit on a planet Earth, and we have countries of the world that are still very, very primitive somewhat, and yet we have other countries of the world that are not primitive really at all, and they're all having a relationship of of concern, of the scarcity of water. Well, the primitive ones and the ones that are industrialized that should have known better. And uh, I don't want to get into the word, I don't want to say that no better, but the technology to learn today could open up fields of new entrepreneurs and ideas.
4: Oh, it is. It absolutely is. It, it, just to, to give you a quick figure, the United States is estimated that thirty, some 30%, uh, nearly a third... You're talking about technology being developed to to move water uh, centuries ago, and even today with the technology that we have in this country, in the United States, it's estimated that about a third of the water that we're moving around is lost to leaks in the system. Our infrastructure is aging. Uh, designs weren't considered that, that we would have to sustain larger populations and and. Engineers put these systems into place decades ago, and now we've got we've got leaks in the system. We just fixed leaks in the system. Think about that. In this country alone, about a third of our water wouldn't be lost, and so we really need to step back. And, and like you said, the opportunities are endless. 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 Exciting. They're exciting. They are exciting. There's a there's a small company. Just give you an example. Uh, there's a, a small company in Indiana, and. Let me see if I can recall the name of the company. It's uh, Precision Hawk is the name of the company. And what they've done is they've designed drones. And, of course, you you know, they're having some uh, discussions with the Federal Aviation Administration about drones, just everybody that's getting into drone technology and applications, having discussions with the FAA because of, of airspace issues. But this small company in Indiana called Precision Hawk has designed a, a drone that flies over farmers' fields and can map surface water and can calculate drainage times of water in the field uh-huh. and it can assess plant health by looking at the plants from uh-huh. from instruments and sensors on the drone. And so uh-huh. just a, a tremendous amount of opportunities, uh, solar power, desalinization of water. Uh-huh. And you know, you talked before about uh, water scarcity and water sh- shortage and that none of your guests argue with that. We really do have a lot of water on this planet. Lots of water available. However, one of the major problems that we have, and you mentioned this a little bit, is we are salting up the earth. Because of intense farming, especially in places like the San Joaquin Valley in California, Yes, we are salting up the earth.
2: Explain to the audience what salting up the earth means, coming from a scientist
4: like yourself. Well, a, a, a short easy to understand definition of that is over uh, tens of years as we apply water to a, a field uh, for raising crops the water moves through the soil and the minerals that are in that water get bound up in the soil and stay behind and the water moves on through and re- either recharges the groundwater or moves off in surface water and streams and rivers but the minerals stay, stay behind and get builds up in the soil and mm-hmm. it gets to a point where you can no longer grow crops in that soil. <laughs> it, it is is totally useless and, and there's about a third of the farmland in California's San Joaquin Valley is laying fallow, is not being farmed, not because water's not available, although California's under severe drought right now and that is a problem. That land's not being farmed, <clears throat> excuse me, because it has salted up. It's built up the minerals uh-huh. in the soil and has salted up and and can't be used.
2: Now let's back, back for a second. Uh, okay, so the soil has uh, lost its mineral content and its uh, nutrients, and be, was it because it wasn't getting the uh, adequate amount of irrigation, and, and well, the atmosphere was depleting it because it wasn't being irrigated?
4: No, it's the other way around. Other it's, way it, around. Yeah, it's the, the 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 minerals and the salts in the water. Mm-hmm. Attached to the soil as the irrigation mm-hmm. water moves through and increases the salinity of the soil mm-hmm. and so the water moves on through, and now you have this bound to this, this soil column you mm-hmm. have have more minerals and 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 salts in that soil than the soil capacity normally would have, mm-hmm. and so it becomes there 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 are certain plants that can grow in it, but most crops that we raise can't grow in soil like that.
2: Now, comparable to other countries of the world that we recognize in our country since, oh gosh, in the past two decades, it's gotten more familiar with the Middle East. And when we see the Middle East uh, on camera, we see desert. Give us an idea of what you've learned about so far back in time, because there was a Garden of Eden there. there were other, it wasn't always all sand.
4: Well, you know, there's a a lot of things that that go into what you're talking about there, Sharon. Um, You're talking about century-long natural climate changes, and we're going through natural climate changes right now as well. And so there's still some debate as to uh, the influence of of humans on those natural uh, climate change cycles. In some circles, um, I think most Climate scientists would would argue that there is no debate that humans are having effect on those those climate cycles. But you're talking about um, centuries and tens of centuries ago when the uh, human population was not significant on the face mm-hmm. of the earth, and we weren't having significant impact, and we didn't have industrialization. And mm-hmm. so you can see in the record, you can see uh, lush times, and you can see, you can actually see times when there was more CO2 in the atmosphere than we have now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the major uh, um, drivers of of climate change is carbon dioxide levels.
2: Now the soil then would have a lot of influence on that too. And my thinking, my evaluations that if the soil is having the uh, going into almost like a trauma, that that would affect the the, the uh, atmosphere also.
4: Oh, absolutely. The,
2: to affect the climate change. Climate.
4: Absolutely affects soil moisture and availability of. Of moisture in the soil for for crops and they they up they for...
2: their life together. In fact, the the soil is a species and aquifer is a species. It's all living life. And the, the beginning of the beginning of our planet, yes, it was water. They began to bring the life to fruition to futures. But if the soils are not being, uh, the technology is not keeping up with what the soil is requiring. We have a problem there, too.
4: Right. Yep. Yeah, we do.
2: Because the atmosphere is affected by it, and then that affects climate.
4: Well, it's all it's all connected. You know. Now, the,
2: I needed to tell you, and we'll go into some of the um, descriptions that you were telling me about mining um, and water and all that. We'll talk about India, too, because I was reading up on some of that, but back to... Uh, uh, what is happening out there? Dr. Uh, Pollock? we had on the show recently, and I'm really stressing for people to listen to it, that they found at University of Washington a fourth water in the body. And that fourth water, he said, has an influence in the body with the other part, with water to attract the water in the body, but also has a connection to the atmosphere's water also because they're so similar.
4: Hey, I'm, I'm curious. I, I... You told me about that show, and I haven't had a chance to Yeah, you got hear to listen chat. to it, yeah, uh, I'd like
2: everybody to. in the audience, uh, because they're finding out new... And when you go in and you study what Dr. Emoto from Japan has been learning, and through the many years about he could take glasses of water and play different kinds of music, and then you go in and test the waters differently. They re, it relates to the music and to life around it. Well, then that takes our theories to think about mm-hmm. that if the body water has this fourth water that it's influencing the other waters in the body but it's, it's influenced by the atmosphere and the atmosphere around you is going to be the water and the atmosphere but also your outlook your lifestyle your attitude everything to do with you and of course we're talking about drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water a day without anything in it not not coffee not tea not juices water I he was know. saying it was vital, doctor. it, it 's just vital that people have to take it serious, that this relationship is going to, is being studied, and that in time, one of the doctors, the Nobel Prize winner, said, found and determined some descriptions that have been proven 100 percent to diminish a, couple of, a a disease. Now, because of the relationship of what we 're just talking. So what you're saying is uh, that that soil is being impacted. Mankind is impacting it. Plus the, the planet's cycle is impacting it. We need technology that's going to save this planet.
4: Well, uh, there's some debate on 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 that. Uh, it depends on what you're talking about, and we really are oversimplifying the with uh, this explanation of how these fields uh, become salinated, um, it's a pretty complicated process. but Right, of course. But, but over the years, uh, these, these salts build up in these waters, and so we're, we're mining the groundwaters to irrigate the fields, and they're not getting replenished.
2: Now explain that one to the audience, too, for, uh, mining the groundwaters. What does that description mean?
4: Okay, so you can imagine uh, in your mind a, a groundwater system underneath the ground where you live. And uh, the, the, aquifer. The, the aquifer and this aquifer has a certain volume and it has a recharge area mm-hmm. where, where the water mm-hmm. comes down in, in rain and snow and precipitation comes down replenishes that groundwater system mm-hmm. and what is happening especially in the central part of the United States in the, in the huge Oglala Aquifer uh, where a major part of our agriculture is places like Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas We are taking the groundwater out faster than nature can replenish it. Mm -hmm. Now, in some areas, we are actually artificially replenishing it, but not in enough. Mm -hmm. And so we are literally mining the groundwater. Once you take it out, and I've, I've talked about this before in your show, that on a global scale, on a world scale, the average turnover time for a groundwater system is about 330 years. So that means that if we're mining it and it's not being replenished, wow. if we stopped right now, it'd take 330 years to get back to the point where we started right. to re- withdraw the groundwater. And so, well, we, you
2: know, and we know it's agriculture it that's is. taking it. Everybody is eating. Let's—I uh, that should say—everybody. Uh, there's starvation going. But the food uh, supply throughout the world has not begun to diminish in many countries of the world yet. But we'll find that food supply will begin to change.
4: Oh, absolutely. Unless
2: technology figures out what to do with how to uh, irrigate the the agriculture.
4: Well, irrigation is, is a big part of it. I mean, where are you going to get the water supplies? for agriculture, which is about 70% of the usage of water uh, by humans is for agriculture. Now, Dr.,
2: we've had on the show from, uh, I'm embarrassed, I think it's from North Dakota, but anyway, one of the oldest families in organic farming in the country, several thousand acres, I forget how many, I'm embarrassed I should remember, but they only get so many inches of rain, so they have to go through a technology of recycling that soil, with uh, hay and manure and heat that so they can it'll attract. And he and I were talking about, I said, well, what you're doing then, you're attracting the moisture out of the air by the way you're doing the turnover of that soil and the manure and the hay because that's creating a, a heat. And he said, that's exactly what we're doing. To, so it'll, we, can use, we don't need as much water.
4: Well, there are a lot of people thinking about this, Sharon, a lot of people putting a lot of engineering thought and design thought and rethinking this this uh, issue and these challenges that we have, because um, there's there's only so much water available and the population's growing, and we do have food and water security issues and um, technology's part of the answer, we have to think about start thinking about sustainable agriculture uh-huh. and how do we select crops that i mean right now the uh, the largest cash crop in the United States is is corn, and it Mm -hmm. takes an inordinate amount of fertilizer and water. And Mm -hmm. the technology has made corn an attractive cash crop because Mm -hmm. farmers can now grow on average about 150 bushels an acre and and make a lot of money, and there's a lot of subsidies for it because they're using it as as they're growing biofuel. You know, of the corn crop grown in the United States right now, only about 10% of it is direct food corn. To humans. How? The rest of it is, is indirectly for some feed for humans, as in feed corn for cattle. But a large part of it now is for alternate fuels and biofuels. Mm-hmm. And so we really, uh, I, you know, we're, we're making decisions and switching to, for instance, biofuel corn in response to what we think are some issues that we're having in the environment with climate change and and uh, change in weather patterns. And so we think we're doing the right things, but we're finding that it takes much more energy to, to grow the biofuel. Corn. And now,
2: Dr. Cesar, we need to take a, um, a moment with our sponsor and we'll be just a moment and we'll come back to that because I think that's something that uh, listeners globally uh, have been hearing about but never totally understanding it because it hasn't been taken serious yet to, for people out there uh, to get seriously uh, practicing all that yet. But we'll be back right back. Don't you go anywhere. I appreciate okay. your time today, and I'm learning a lot, and I know our are audiences too. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Did you know at the surface of your eyes is 99% water? Not an eye drop. It's water. What is depletion of eyesight and vision impairment to blindness eventually is dehydration, loss of water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is globally the only product like it to humidify and replenish lost moisture to the eyes. Potentially, in time, you're going to be breathing with it. You're going to be supplementing with it worldwide because it's the method to supplement the atmosphere. Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. Tissue culture-grade water. Listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil.
1: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspiring really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Dr. Cecil, before we listen to our sponsor, uh, you were telling us, you know, we hear about it all the time. And it, it's no one's really taking it so serious because there's no focus on it. The education is not clear. People need common sense to understand. If we're a finding on this planet Earth as we live together, individual scientists like yourselves are very knowledgeable. We're finding that agriculture is taking a lot of water, and uh, we know the soil is changing. You've educated us well today, and the climate Will be affected by that too, and the soil will be affected. Our lives are being impacted by human life, all life, because of the climate change. They're, everything is relating together. It's like an organ. In fact, I'm going to say this, and you can correct me. It's like it's all one organism, and it has to relate to each other. It has to, because it began that way. Am I right or wrong?
4: Well, we've talked a couple times, and and I'll refresh your memory. We've got talked a couple times about a theory called the Gaia Theory by a British scientist, James Lovelock. And he theorized in the late 60s that the Earth behaved like a living organism and that self-regulated energy in the atmosphere um, and moved that energy around by storms. And so his analogy is that the Earth system is like a living ecosystem. Even though it's it's in, inanimate uh, rock and made up of, of, of rock and soils, it, it behaves like a um, ecosystem, and it self-regulates, and so that can be interpreted as, as.
2: And that that I follow that because I truly am a believer that are uh, discovering, and as time goes by with what we're learning, is the, uh, the, uh, the ecosystem, the balancing act that Earth de- plays for all of us to learn about how you should personally live your life. And don't push it, your body, don't push your uh, mind, don't push your uh, stress level. To where you can, to, to, you have to always be bouncing back to the ecosystem, thinking about what Earth is doing. I'm a true believer of that, Doctor Cecil.
4: Yeah, I think a... that
2: our diseases and our bodies are because we're too dehydrated. I think stress is going to discover that it's, it's stress is causing it, each person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I know so many people look a little, so a little different. That we're not stopping to realize that when we walk with our feet on this planet. And we go to sleep at night. We're sleeping with the planet. We get up and we are awake in the daylight with the planet. It's all an organism, no different than if you opened up somebody's uh, chest and you watched the heart pumping. Earth, ha- Earth has a heart. It pumps. Well, it's got to balance. It's got to be It's an organism of a balancing act. And, but water is a primary balancer. It's the number one.
4: It is, and and I feel like uh, the the climate of the Earth system is really the integrator. It it integrates across biology and hydrology and physical sciences, and it's, it's yeah. really an integrator. And 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 if you, I've I've looked at decades of data, and I see human impacts on all kinds of things. And we debate in this country whether or not. What we do in the environment has has an effect on the climate. So if we don't even talk about that, and let's just talk about water. And around 1900, if you look on a global scale, about 2% of the world's population was under what would be considered today chronic water shortage. 2% of the, the world's population in 1900. By 1960, that had grown to 9% in a relatively short 45 years in 2005 over a third 35% of the world's population could be considered in chronic water shortage with technology with modernization we've gone from 2% of the world's population in 1900 to over a third of the world's population with everything that we've learned with everything that we know all the engineering we have all the technology we have we we have over a third of our population and this planet is considered a, in a situation that's chronic water shortage,
2: undernourished,
4: undernourished, and in, in terms of, and dehydrated, and and so you know, uh,
2: doctor, that's why um, uh, there's this new organization, and I'm, I'm going to be bringing her on the show. Uh, and she's, I talked to her. She's the founder of an organization called Hydration Foundation. And uh, when I started this company, I was worried about the stress levels on the body and uh, causing a severe dehydration that could be out of control. I started that 30 years ago in that study. Today, we're finding out all these individuals, they're going to a doctor and the doctor is saying, you are too dehydrated. I had a young man who was doing some work for me and I kept wondering, why is he not finishing this project? And and finally, he said, Sharon, I had to go to the doctor. I was so sick. And he said I was too dehydrated. Dr. Cesar, we're finding that our relationship with this organism of the planet and the atmosphere and this universe, that human life, education, with all the technology and education we have, people are not realizing the word dehydration is causing them diseases, is causing them to age quickly, is causing them to be under exhaustion and stress,
4: addictions and more. Well, it's it's affecting everything. If you look over that same time period from 1900 right up to today mm-hmm. and and we see that change in in the the percentage of our world population that that would be considered under chronic water shortage. If you look look at things like irrigated area that increased over that period of time, mm-hmm. reservoirs that were built Groundwater that we've mined, the global tr- trade of agricultural products, they all follow that same pattern. We've increased mm-hmm. those dramatically and trying to respond to how do we get water to the, to okay, the people in the Okay, I'm going to challenge
2: area. you now with you all
4: the experience you
2: personally have had and the amount of years, 40 years of your life and your adult life has been directed toward what you've been learning and doing, and, and, and as a scientist with people and behind the technology and learning. What is your feeling? I, I am so into what Singapore has done, to recycle.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Is it possible? this whole This planet could be saved, lives could be saved, if we learn how to recycle.
4: Absolutely. I mean, recycling is a, a large part of it. I, I think what we have to do is start, teaching our, our young folks as they're, they're coming up through the schooling system what, what is really meant by sustainability and sustainable design. and mm-hmm. uh, can, we, can we start selecting, changing our lifestyle? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in America, that's a very difficult sale to change the lifestyles. We all want to think, well, I want my SUV, I want my large house. Um, let somebody else change their lifestyle, and so somehow we have to educate ourselves and educate folks around us, and and, I mean, Americans are very independent. They're going to make choices the way they want to make them. But you know,
2: I I will share something with you. Um, Follow me for a minute, because I came, my world, uh, it came from a high-end cosmetic field, and my first entry, it was water with Nature's Mist and I was involved with all the high-end cosmetics and the high-end cosmetic departments and and Nordstrom's, Neiman Marcus, Bergdorf Goodman, all of them by the hundreds and hundreds of stores. And they were so excited about nature when I took uh, the Nature's Mist into the field to teach them about the skin and absorption and replenishing lost moisture and teaching them about dehydration and the cosmetic products trap the moisture. They don't add moisture ever. And they, they were so excited, and it was just an enormous success. They loved it. The fashion trend of it was fascinating, and I studied that as an intellectual property value and technology for futures. Then when we moved over to the medical field with requests from the ophthalmology research groups, and we got over there in the medical field with water to be replenishing lost moisture to the eyes. It was the same thing. They were excited. They were ready. Uh, they, uh, they just absolutely opened the doors by thousands and thousands of doctors again. And I believe if it's approached correctly, doctor, I think this country would open their arms to a new ideas. the trend of it. Uh, we have a way in... Um, uh, that if, if we if we get excited about uh, the hula hoop or the iPhone uh, the music, the movie, the entertainment we we love education, we want to hear about what does that mean, what is the trend and and make a statement we love missionary work, no place on earth loves uh, getting behind what 's necessary. Help others than the United States of America. They're the most charitable minded, most trendy people on earth. And they go together, those 50 states. They just blend. I I think if it's done correctly to get it excitable, it's no different than celebrating just what we just did. And I'm going to date our show here. The 4th of July was just recently. And they took it on with the flags and and it's like when we had a horrible 9-11 with the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and lost a plane in Pennsylvania, um, they, all of a sudden the flags went out and people got behind each other. I know they'll do that with water, too. I know they're going to do that with health. I believe I believe without a question, the rest of the world will listen because we're trendsetters.
4: Well, I, I agree with that, and I would say it a little bit differently if if you can show americans a, a new technology and show them some success stories with that new technology you've got their attention and we we've, we've got a battle in this country because the solar power if it's presented uh, completely and correctly and it's applied in a way that it can be utilized and not cost more to to use it than to to not use it and show some success stories, which we have, then I think people would pay more attention to wind and solar power. But we've we've gone a sort of uh, an American way, and we we dove in with both feet, and we've built these large solar firms that recently haven't had much success, and I think we, we lose folks' attention and lose folks' focus. We have to back up and, and show some success stories with these technologies. But,
2: you know, we, we've gotten a new education in the past – few years. Government this. Government will tell you this. Government will hold your hand. Government will do this for you. And you know, it's so startling to me because I believe in free enterprise. I believe in uh, capitalism. I believe that the greatest technology comes from free enterprise. I, 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 nobody could convince me, and I'm tell the world, free enterprise. I agree. But I've always wondered why. The United States was one of the most brilliant forefathers of a constitution that was just brilliant. They divided into 50 states. They took the Constitution out and let each state begin to compete with each other. And they didn't even have to go anywhere in the world. They were competing with each other. And your money from, uh, let's say, from North Carolina could come into Oregon, sell products, and your money, then the money would go back to North Carolina for the corporate office. And, and, and it became a tech- technology geniuses uh, where I'm leading here is uh, I truly believe our government has got to get out of some of the things it's doing and get into assisting what our country needs to do with capitalism and free enterprise and assist that technology and work as partnerships with the technology but not be the one to run it, but to be a partnership to what could be. And way back in time, they had... um, uh, doctor, they had, remember the the co-ops that they started 100 years ago where you could, well, in fact, Costco's a co-op today, Grange is a co-op, and I could go on all these hundreds and hundreds of co-ops to assist with how this free enterprise could be joining with the government. They could get better loans if you're a co-op, less interest rate and then when you become successful you contribute a percentage of your yearly income back to the community so the government becomes a part of that and what's happened here in our countries our country here all of a sudden they're into all these crazy different directions other than almost emotional directions like they're fighting over the music fighting over your mm-hmm. what your choice of what They're not doing like our forefathers did to prioritize for your planet Earth to be here for a lifetime. They've lost sight, and you've got to really frustrate you because of what you've given to your life to go into the climate, the atmosphere, the water, and you've been involved with organizations from all over the world. You've got to be somewhat frustrated because there's such an opportunity for the cooperation of free enterprise and the government to work together and save the water first, nutrition and agriculture, and learn how we can recycle with each other? Our thoughts?
4: Well, there's a lot of different theories out there. Excuse me. One is, and I I don't think we've talked about it much on your show, but globalization, and, and when you think about what that means, it scares a lot of people, and I understand that especially when we're at 7 billion people now headed toward 9 billion. And so uh, how, you, you lose individualism, you lose uh, entrepreneurship, you lose um, a lot of the things that you were just talking about, the individual choices. And so somehow we've got to strike this balance between, I mean, I've, I've been giving you some some information here on, on how, uh, changes in the world's population, those, those numbers I was giving you on the percentage of population under chronic water shortage, over that same time period, Sharon, climate change, that, that was four, just the population change and the increase on, of, of individuals under chronic water sh- shortage was four, four to five times more of an impact than climate change. In the natural process. And so think about that over that same time period that we've increased the world's population to 7 yeah. million people now. And these stresses
2: on we everything have economic minutes systems, minutes left, political and, systems,
4: education it, systems so it's stressing everything.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And now we're going real quickly. I'm going to take you into a country like India. And it's at 1.2 billion population. We've got their neighbor, China, 1.3 billion population. And both of them are starving for healthy water yeah, well, that has to have a huge impact on the organism of this
4: planet oh it does it's, it has its its global impacts it absolutely is and they're they're trying to develop their economies into what they see in the west in europe and the United States and other places, and so they're having significant impacts on on resources and on the environment on the atmosphere. Um, and it's just because there are so many people that they're trying to to feed, to to provide water for, and, and I, I saw. And they're finding
2: people's bodies in India all over the place because of the severe dehydration of no water. Uh, we're only have a moment left. How would you like to leave the audience with uh, some of the, the mission the year aft at uh, uh, and what you believe they ought to be thinking about? And then another topic we may have another time. But give them your last thought.
4: Oh last thought is uh, with the, the, the decades that I've, I've looked at this data and looked at the changes and the impacts, especially in in megacities, t- 10 million people or more, of, of how we're accelerating the natural processes in, in these larger uh, population centers. Uh, I'm actually putting my money where my mouth is, and this fall I'm starting a master's program in sustainable design at Boston Architectural College to take this Decades of, of looking at the science and, and interpreting the, interpreting the data, and so now how can I apply that some way and, and help hmm. in a small way to uh, perhaps help a city like Chicago take a, a different look at
2: their infrastructure,
4: Ohio. Or, or Sao Paulo, Brazil, or Manila, Philippines? And wow. so I think that all of us should should be open to learning. We are. Be open we open are to contributing we are all open to learning. Just
2: keep. Well, keep learning and, trying, and
4: keep contributing.
2: And we're looking forward to you coming on the show and discussing that with us, doctors.
4: Okay, I'd be happy. You to have you. a
2: nice day, and and thank you for joining us. And you be well.
4: You too. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.
2: Wow. Here we go. Uh, did we learn a lot from Doctor Cecil? He's been st- for forty years. He was with NASA, NOAA, and, and organizations from all over the world. And as I was telling you today, we're taking a new movement in our directions with uh, Power of Water. Individuals that come on the show, we're going to be emphasizing to join us with what you believe, and I'm going to bring some new organizations onto the show worldwide. And when you get to learn what the other people are learning, you'll find that Dr. Cecil and what we're trying to do here with our guests on the show is bring people together. And the magnitude of social media potential for us are going to be huge. We're all going to do this together, and it will become exciting. And I don't think people are going to be arguing about how we're going to go about it. I think people will be excited. And be sure and educate our children, too. I want to thank you for listening today. I always say this, embrace your life. It's that special. It's the power of water. But Earth Whispers also. Don't take it all with you. Leave something behind. And we know how important that is to you to have a legacy, and you will be immortal. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and you be well.